0: Uh, parents are out getting their children sorted. We'll just give them a minute just to get back in. Just by way of introduction, my name is Gary Galant, and I'm, I guess I'm one of the leaders in this church. And <laughs> I don't think I am. <laughs> anyway, it is really great to be here this morning, and uh, what a uh, what an amazing time in worship this morning. Just being able to uh, sense God's presence, and we love it when we hear God speak to us. And my prayer this morning is that the word that I have for us this morning is one that I think is, uh, well, if I say it, I I, I just feel like the table's been set for what I have to bring. And I say that very humbly, because uh, i got to say, in this past season, it's been uh, for myself, having just finished work um, in, in the uh, traditional sense and going on into, uh, I, I don't even like the R word, I don't even like using the word retire because that, that just smacks of being put out to pasture and, you know, sitting back with your feet up and kind of waiting to die. Can I be honest? And that's not exactly the way I view my life and the way that I think God wants us to view our lives because uh, we, are, we are created um, to live all our days uh, in the fullness of what God is doing, right? So we're not, we're not intended to uh, have the world's way of looking at things or you know, to, just, to just do nothing. I, I don't understand that. And so... Uh, it has been a difficult season, I will say. I'm just going to be honest with you that it's not easy uh, having to go through the last little bit, the last couple of months particularly. Uh, just because, if if you know me well, you know that I'm a creature of structure and of uh, I like to have my routine set, and and so it's it's been a bit of a challenge because I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and it's like, okay, now what? And uh, the now what, right now, when I get up in the morning is, uh, my main objective, I guess, is to make sure that Barb has her coffee and, <laughs> so, and, and her breakfast and make sure that I pack her lunch for her. I just feel like, <laughs> like what is this? And, and then when she leaves and goes to work, I'm like, <sighs> okay, actually, it's, it's not quite like that. Uh, but it is, I guess, that part's true. But the actual the actual part of my days being filled it's a different kind it's a new normal it's a different kind (laughs) of structure it's a different kind of thing and so I'm learning to embrace that and uh, anyway I won't I won't say any more that was just me rambling on so that everybody's in (laughs) okay Um, I just want to pray before we start because I just feel like Ginny's word. And the worship and and everything that we've experienced so far, uh, like I said a few minutes ago, is something that is uh, leading to... (laughs) Hello? (sighs) Yeah, Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're the God who redeems and loves and saves and speaks. And uh, God, you know every part of our lives, you know every aspect of our lives, you know all the deep, dark corners of our lives, and yet you still love us, and you even like us, which blows my mind God but you are that God that cares for us and so Lord this morning would you take these words and would you somehow use them uh, for your glory in Jesus name in Jesus name I have two main things that I want to share this morning that I feel that God has put on my heart at first they may not seem connected but I trust that they do connect the first the first thing i just want you to know that god is passionate for his church and i'm going to unpack this a little bit and if you have your bibles with you if you turn to isaiah 62 i think as you read through the new testament often you'll hear overtly and and subtly you'll hear paul oftentimes say things like, I just want to remind you of some things. He likes to remind us, and God likes to remind us of some things. And I just, this morning, feel that we need to be reminded of this first truth, that God is absolutely passionate about his church. And you say, well, Gary, if, if he's passionate about his church, then why are we diving into the Old Testament From start to finish, the story is about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus, his story is through the story of every single word of Scripture. And this morning in Isaiah 62, I just want to kind of walk us through a few verses here just so that you see the presence of Jesus, but also to understand his great that, that God in his great love is wild about us. And so Isaiah 62, verse 1, and I'm not going to read the passage and then unpack it as we might normally, but I'm just going to walk through some verses and make some comments, and let's just see what God, how God feels about us. God speaks to us prophetically through Isaiah. He says, for Zion's sake, I'll stop right there. Whenever you're in the Old Testament and you see the word zion the word zion you can you can take that word and you can take my word for this you can you can look at the commentators people that have more on the ball than I certainly do zion in the old testament you can read it as synonymous with the church for zion's sake i will not keep silent And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. You see, the father is excited about what he's doing. The father has always been excited about what he's doing. And God said, let there be light. And it was what? It was good. So God is excited about what he's up to. He says, I I can't keep silent about my plans. Wrap your head around this. Like, God has plans, and he can't keep silent, but he's excited about it. They're his plans, and he knows the end from the beginning. It's like, say what? It's like, mic drop. Like, seriously, God, you're excited about your plans that you know are going to come to fruition. He's excited for what he's doing and God is a God that shows His emotion here. He is showing His emotion for what He's up to. There's an anticipation, an expectation we hear that this morning? If God is expectant about His plans, which are sure, how much more then should we be sure about the expectation that we have about what God has already spoken? He is expectant and he anticipates the result of his word going forth. You see, we got to note here in this one verse, the brilliance of his righteousness and the brilliance of his salvation. He's the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. Zion, church, we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. I mean, you can just make all these connections here. It's for all to see. It's a, when, when God's glory is in the church, the whole world wakes up to it. The whole world sees what it is that God is doing. The whole world is seeing the beauty of what he is speaking about right here. See, God is glorifying himself and he promises to glorify himself in a renewed and increased glory of his people. He loves his people. It's not a... We know that it's not about a building. Like, how silly is that? It's, God isn't excited about buildings. He owns them all. He says, well, I, I own all, every building. Like He's the greatest real estate agent going because he owns them all. Right? I mean, we get uptight about where we're meeting. How many is this, Joe? 21? Yeah, we're 21 places, right? We're the church on the move. We're 21 places that we've met. I mean, we get a little uptight about, oh, where's the next, where's the next place we're going to meet? Because sure, sure as I'm standing here, we're going to be in another place. Six months, a year, two years, who knows what. It's going to happen. But God... Owns them all. And he's glorifying himself through his people, not through buildings. He's glorifying himself through you and through me. Like this short French guy from the south end of St. John who grew up with nothing and and with a whole mess of issues, God seeks to glorify himself through my life, through your life. Think about it. Wherever you're at in your life, God is seeking to glorify himself through you. And the righteousness that he speaks about that goes, that goes forth as brightness, that righteousness comes as a result of a coming and promised Messiah that we read about. We read about Jesus right in the book of Genesis in the early going. And we read about the seed, we read about this, this Jesus, this Messiah that's going to come and make all things right. He's going he's to put to right everything, every wrong, every sin, every bit of shame, he's going to put it all to right. He's going to restore the relationship that was lost and that one sin that Adam committed, that one sin that, that, that took, took mankind down the rabbit hole and separated us from God, that one sin that that the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that separated in the entire, the entire of, uh, breadth of humanity, Jesus, by his one righteous act, is going to restore all things to himself. And he's doing it now. He's done it. It's finished. He has done it. At that time that Isaiah was writing, it was a long shot. But... God says, I won't be silent. You see, in verse 2, it says, the nations shall, shall see your righteousness and all the kings, everybody, all of the leaders, all of the rulers around the planet are going to see this glory and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You, me, we shall be called by a new name. There's a new name for us. See, in keeping with this, the purpose of Isaiah and God wanting to glorify himself, he's going to glorify himself by this new name, this new people that he's going to create. God is the only being that is able to create. He's going to create something out of nothing. He's going to make, just as he did in Genesis when he spoke creation into existence by the word By the word, he spoke creation into existence out of nothing. And he's going to make one new man. He's going to bring about a new people. A new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. This new creation. The creation of his people. The old is gone, the new has come. The living word, Jesus, who was present at creation, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was what? In the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and he spoke creation and existence you read genesis and you look and when god said when god said i don't understand this it kind of fries me actually but when god says let there be light and there was light like somehow jesus was in that like it's amazing jesus is present at creation. He is the creative power. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 about the mystery, this mystery, this, this new thing that would be created. In verse 2 it says, having to do with the church, the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations. So a new thing. This is hidden. It's now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles, us, are fellow heirs with the Jews, this new creation, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So this one new man, if you thought about it that way, that the mystery that was promised is his people. It's his bride reflecting the glory of God to the world. Verse 3, you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. Like, have you thought of yourself as a crown of beauty? I don't usually think of myself that way. But we are a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. Like, we're on displays. Like, I, I I just think my bride is so amazing. I'm putting my bride on display and I want the whole world to see it. I want the whole world to see the beauty of what I'm creating, the beauty of what I'm doing. I want the whole world to know this. Like, You only put on display the things you love. He's putting on display us. He's putting us on display for everybody to see. You shall be no more termed forsaken. And your land shall no more be termed desolate. How many of you were ever forsaken? I was. How many of you could say that your life was desolate? I can but you shall be called, This is God just loves us. My delight is in her. The her is his bride, his people, the one that he loves. His delight is in us. He just, he just doesn't save us from our sins, as wonderful as that is, but he actually delights in us. You shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord delights in you. You see, as I said a second ago, he doesn't just forgive us, protect us, heal us, provide for us, give us a home in him, reconcile us to each other. How many know we need reconciliation with each other? Folks, we got issues, come on. We got issues, right? I got a few. I mean, we have more issues in the National Geographic. Come on. We really do. He honors us. Not only does he, He, He honors us. He exalts us above all nations, makes us a blessing to all the nations. As wonderful as all of that stuff is, and it's all great stuff, it's all true. As wonderful as all that is, He delights in us. It's all truth. He actually is thrilled about you and about me. He's thrilled about it. He loves us. He's passionate for his church. This should leave us with an overwhelming impression of joy. There should be a joy that springs from our heart to say, wow, this is amazing that God, the God that flung the stars, like, I don't know how many tens of thousands i'm not a scientist but i know this that there's tens of thousands of galaxies out there and i don't even know any of them really i'm i was an arts major come on i don't know anything but at the end of the day he flung all those into existence with a finger and yet he chooses to delight himself in me and in you For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. Did you know that God rejoices over you? Zephaniah, he what? He sings over you. There are some of you that don't even like your name. I mean, I'm serious. Growing up, I never liked my name. Gary, ugh. I just didn't like the sound of my name, but Jesus sings my name and he's he's like Gary, I love you, I delight in you. Seriously, I'm not joking. Like I don't do it any justice because he's a better singer than I am. But seriously. Oh Brent. Oh Andy Lemon, I love the sound of your name. It's like, seriously we got to lighten up, folks. <laughs> it's like, we got to kick the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant out of our life here. Come on. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, this is verse 11, behold, your salvation comes, behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him in verse 12 if i can get this open i know i have it here and they shall be called the holy people the redeemed of the lord and you shall be called sought out a city not forsaken we're a city that's not forsaken folks we are sought out by god you had no ability To seek God on your own. The Bible says that no one seeks God. No one seeks God. And if if you had the notion that you sought God first, you're wrong. The Bible says that you can't. It takes God to seek God. And so what he does is he draws us by his spirit. He puts the desire in our heart for something bigger than ourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Like every human being has this desire for something bigger than themselves in them you have the desire for something bigger than yourself and that innate desire that we have whether we recognize it or not is placed there by god to do what to draw us to him he puts that there i don't care if you're a calvinist or an arminian I, i don't like all those terms to be honest Because God is just God, and God draws you. You can't do it by yourself. He puts this in you. I had the privilege on Friday night of sharing with our youth, and I was just like, you know what? God puts this desire for something bigger than yourself in there, and it can all be met by Him. There's nothing else that is going to satisfy you. And we seek as humans, because we're looking for something bigger than ourselves, Really, we're looking to focus our attention on something. We're looking to worship something. We're looking to place the foundation of our lives on something. And so that's something, if we're separated from God, that something takes its form in many different things. I don't need to go into it all, but you get it, right? Hello? Yeah. You understand. And so when I see people pursuing all the wrong things, my response to that should not be, oh, those, ugh, so frustrating with them. It's like, my response should be, that's a sign that God has put the desire for something bigger than themselves in them. And we need to take a different view of what it is that people are doing. They're looking for God. And you know what? Where they're going to find God is in this city. Because he's crazy about this city. God's favor is on this city. This city, his city, his favor is here. Are we okay? It's wherever you go, you bring the city of God with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do. I had the privilege for eight years to be the principal of Devon Middle School. I loved it. I love it. But here's the thing. I say this very humbly. Because I was there leading, God's favor was on the school. Have you thought about your life that way? We reflected on that Thursday night at our group. Like, God's favor is where you are. Is it because you're so good? It's because of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It's because of him who has become our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. That's a free one. But seriously, God's favor, because God's favor's on my life, and there's something about leadership. I don't understand all the dynamics, but it's like after a couple of years at Devon Middle School, all of a sudden, we had zero sports banners in our gym. I'm, and this is just a small example. Zero sports. We sucked. We are terrible. I mean, seriously? We, we, we were the whipping boy of every school. Like, we'd go to play games and it was like, oh. Uh, the blessing was how few goals we would give up, you know? Or how many, how many baskets, you know, if we had a couple, that would be good. It's like, like, uh, this is just a small example. I could give you others. This is a small example. This is just in the, in the life of our s- athletics. You walk into the gym now. Joe, are there, is there one banner? I can't count them all, Gary. <laughs> it's like, seriously? Now, boys, Gary, you're full of pride. You're saying it was because of you. No, I'm not. I'm saying it's because of the favor of God. I don't understand that. I don't get it. I I can't even comprehend it. But God is crazy about what he's doing and he wants to extend his favor wherever you go in these these uncertain times. We've heard about that this morning. We're in times of massive uncertainty. Nationally, internationally, provincially, locally, everything's uncertain. Everything's like it's on ball bearings. It could tip at any time. But God has given us a certain hope. He's given us a certain favor. There's a certain favor. A certain favor. Like you can depend on the favor of God where you go. God wants to use you. He wants to spread the joy that this is to the people around you that don't know Him. So He's nuts about us. He is giving this invitation To all nations. He gathers from the ends of the earth. That's point one. Point one is what? God is crazy about us. God loves His people. Point two, Psalm 107. Like I said, I'm jumping around a bit. But this city that He has His favor on His church, this city, is created to be a city of refuge. This thing that he's doing, this building that he's building, is a city of refuge. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So he's crazy about us, his love endures forever, like we give thanks Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Like, folks, if there's ever a a people that has has the opportunity to say so, it's us. It's like, I'm going to say so. I'm going to say so. Like, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God has redeemed you, say it. God has redeemed you. God has made you alive. He has, by the power of His Spirit, He's created you for great things. He's created you with favor. It's an amazing thing. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Anybody been redeemed from trouble? I have been. It's 107. Yeah. Oh, uh, did I say 102? Did I say 107? The Irish can't get it. I have a hard time understanding him, and he, he has a hard time understanding me just going to pick on Ollie Day today. Take the opportunity when it arises. (laughs) Just kidding. Verse 3, and what does he do? But he gathers us in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. All peoples from all over. God is calling to this city. He's calling everywhere you look. He's bringing people in. And it's so easy to get myopic, isn't it? It's so easy to be farsighted. And so like, I'm looking after my own little thing. You know that when you look after your own little world, it's very discouraging. It can be really limiting. It becomes it becomes self-serving. It becomes, it becomes something that is the end to itself, and it just... It's not fulfilling, but God wants us to see out. He wants us to see out. He wants us to know that this city that he loves so much and that he gave himself for is not just relegated so that we can have our holy huddle, but he's brought us together to send us out. He's brought us together. Now, how do you, does that mean we're gonna go church planning? Maybe, I don't know, but it definitely means this. It means where where you are, be. Wherever you go, say so. Whatever you do, whoever you're with, be the city of God in that environment. I have the privilege of, uh, in my new life, my, <laughs> my new life. I have the privilege of working with, with a great friend, Terry Kelly. And we are working together, and Terry's got a business that I'm happy to be a part of, and we're telling people stories. And we get a chance to be with people, and we get a chance to be the city of God in media. Like, I don't, that's amazing. But wherever you are, be. It's like, you know, people can take it. People want to know that there's hope and certainty. They can. They want to know. People want to know. I'm not going to tip my hand. Has anybody in this room ever heard of Jordan Peterson? Put your hand up if you have. A few. Now, I believe... Oh, here, let me tip my hand. Never mind. No, I'll, I'll tip my hand. I See, I believe that God is raising up a voice for particularly young men around the world to understand that, you know what, before you go to seek to change the world, make your bed. And young men are resonating with this. This guy is speaking all over the world, drawing thousands of people in. And these young guys, particularly young guys, a lot of young women too, but mostly a lot of young guys, and they are say, you know what, you're changing my life. You let me know that I need to take responsibility for my life. You're like, like, people can take it. They're looking for something. I'm not saying that he's preaching the gospel. I pray that someday he does. But at the end of the day, people can take it. There's four types of people that Psalm 107 illustrates and highlights. First, it says in verse 4, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. It's like, folks, there are people that are looking for a city to dwell in, but they're wandering in a wasteland. They're hungry and they're thirsty, not physically, perhaps physically, but at the core of who they are, in their souls, their souls are fainting within them. They have no strength to carry on. The lonely, people that, that God has such a heart for, he's drawing, he's drawing these people, he's drawing these people to his city, and if his city isn't ready to receive these people, it's sad. We're, we're missing it. The Bible says that the Lord... Sets the lonely in families. And God wants to set the lonely in families. These ones who wander in the wasteland, he wants to set them into families. See, never have we seen such loneliness in all of history as we do now. I mean, people are so alone. We've never been more connected. I mean, we have these stuck to us. I even have it up here. But we've never been more alone. We've never been more disconnected. We've never felt such um, a sense of being by ourselves, but yet so seemingly connected electronically. But yet we're alone. You see, and God is calling these ones, and they're responding, just try them. Try them with Jesus. Jesus. Let them know what Jesus has done in your life. You don't have to be apologetic about it. You don't have to have all the complicated answers. People just want to know, what has Jesus done for you? Like, they're not, they might not ask that overtly, but they want to know that there's a place for their loneliness. And when they're given that truth, their response in verse 6 is they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them. You see, there are people that are crying out to God. And they may not be crying out to, their, to, the, to God overtly, but they're crying out to God in their hearts. They're crying out, they're saying, I just can't bear another day. And God leads them by a straight way, in verse 7, till they what? Till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Are you lonely this morning? There's a city for you. There's a city, there's a place to dwell for you. The very dwelling place of God is here for you. The second type of person, verse 10, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. We are living in a culture that is filled with despair. We've not seen the levels of depression and anxiety in our history. We've not seen it. It's like, the Bible refers to these ones as being shackled in irons, prisoners in their own affliction. And God's heart is for them. And if that's you this morning, God's heart is for you this morning. If you suffer in despair, if you suffer with depression, if you suffer from anxiety, God's heart is for you. He reaches to you and he says, you know what? I've got better things in store for you. I want to alleviate your despair. I want to alleviate your depression. I want to take care of your anxiety. The Bible says that they call out to the Lord and he answers them. He answers them. He satisfies, he satisfies us. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. That's what God wants to do. That's what God is doing. Tonight we'll be praying for people to be healed at our prayer meeting. And I think praying for physical healing is wonderful. I really do. And we'll do that. But I also want people to be healed from these things. I have faith for that. I have faith for people to be healed but physically, but I have more faith for this. Do you want to know why? Because I've been healed of it myself. And I know that God, if God can do what he did with me, with depression, he can do that with anybody. Verse 17 says, some were fools. Third, some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. Some of us, the people we run into are suffering because of the things that they've done. They've just acted the way I used to act, foolish, making, making decisions that I knew were wrong, and I'd do it anyway. And I suffer that. It's like, like, well, they deserve that. We have that attitude sometimes, well, they deserve it. There's always three pointing back, right? They deserve it. But God says even though they have done these things, I want them. I want them. They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their own destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. You see, God delivers us when it's our own fault. Good thing we don't—we're not having to do this the way the world does it. None of us would have any hope. We want justice. We want justice for that one that's done whatever. But I just want to get away with it, right? Joe always uses the analogy of like driving in the car, and it was like I, you know, if the speed limit's 110, I can clip along at 120. You know, that's okay. And I just, you know, and and if I get if the police pull me over and. Oh, officer, you know. But if somebody is blowing past me at 140, I hope there's a cop around the corner. Right? See, this refuge city is going to attract and is attracting people, people of all types. And the city that God is building is made up of living stones, people of God. We're safe in the city, and we reflect the light of salvation to everyone. We sung about Jesus this morning. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. See, folks, in this time of uncertainty, in this time of change, in this time of everything seems to be upside down, God says, "Yeah, but I'm providing certainty. I'm providing levelness. I'm providing healing. I'm providing restoration. I'm providing restoration for your souls, refreshing that comes only from my spirit. It's only available in one place. There's one bar only, and this is it. You can drink to your full. You can drink more and more and more, and God will give you an insatiable desire for him and what he's doing and It's almost like he fills you, and then you're empty again, and it's like this never-ending cycle of, of filling, emptying, filling, emptying. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, I go through some of the driest times in my life, and I cry out to God, and he answers me, he fills me, and the cycle continues. Don't be surprised by the cycles. And lastly... Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. What the heck is this? It's fourth type. Because look what happens. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. See, we have many people that we see on a day-to-day basis. See, these four things cover everybody because this here is like people who are basically just drowning in the storms of life. Life happens. A friend of mine used to say, shift happens. All right? Stuff, nothing certain. Life happens. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and we experience the storms of life. We will experience storms. But God, what does he do? Verse 29, he made the storm to be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed, he calms the waters. Circumstances might not change, but our view of them does. Folks, We'll invite the band up. God is crazy about us. He's crazy about us. He wants us to have eyes to see that. He, in, in all of our... Let's be honest. We're, we're going through, in our church, these last years, transition and change and everything it seems like everything's up and when it's up it's down and down and up god loves his church i don't understand it god is in control he loves this church he loves this this people here that we call christ central he loves every body of believers everywhere he is for us he cares for us But he also wants us to understand that it's not just for us. It's that we're a city refuge. That ultimately Jesus is the refuge we gather to but he has made his people to be the reflection of who he is. That we reach out to those around us in those categories. Perhaps this morning you're in those categories. That's okay. Guess what? You're in a good place. And just because I'm calling out these four, people, these four types of people. If you're a believer, you can still be part of these four. We go through stuff. So let's all stand. And Joe this morning said, you know, we've got to respond to what God is saying to us. If God is speaking to us as a church this morning, we just I think we need to respond just to the fact that God loves us. Like, when's the last time that we responded to the fact that God loves us? And he cares about us, and he's crazy. Like some of us, our self-esteem has been so battered that we have a hard time even loving ourselves, but God loves you. And that God is setting the lonely in families. God is healing depression and anxiety, and he's, he's even forgiving and restoring you who have made bad decisions. And he wants to bring you to a place of understanding his deep and abiding presence and love. And maybe the storms of life are just... Seems like there's a storm going around you. You're on Grand Lake and the storm doesn't leave and you're camping with your family for two weeks and the storm just keeps going around and around the lake. Everywhere else in the province is sunny, but not my life. God knows and God cares. So I'm going to get the band. They're just going to start playing. God's presence is here this morning. Christ Central. Jesus His passion is for you. His passion is for all of those from the north, south, east, and west that don't know. His passion is to reach into our lives and to do something to change our vision and to see things differently. To be expectant for him to do something because he's doing it. Doesn't change the fact, he's doing it. We, I, I'm anticipating this morning that we don't have enough people to pray for each other. That's okay. But I'm wondering if this morning, if we just need to step out of our seats as a sign of saying, oh God, I'm just trusting that you love me and I know that you care about me and that you have greater plans and that you want to do all of these things and maybe you're really hurting this morning. God wants to reach you this morning. So as the band plays, We're going to sing just a bit. We're just going to invite you to come and just stand before God. I mean, we stand in God's presence together. But there's something about moving our feet, folks. There's something about it. It's a prophetic action of saying, you know what? I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out. I'm choosing to believe God loves me. I'm choosing to believe that he's going to rescue. I'm choosing to believe that he's going to calm the storms in my life. I'm choosing to believe that. I'm choosing to believe he's going to use me. Let's worship God together. If you want to move out, just move out whenever. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, God. Did you come, Lord? Do it only you can do, God. Trust in you. We lift up our hands to you this morning. and We say, God, we have nowhere else we can go, no one else we can turn to but to you. And we trust you this morning. We put our hope in you. Our trust is in you alone. Let's worship Jesus. Let's respond if you feel that that's the thing that God is putting on your heart. God's deep love for you.